0: Here, well, you told us not to be here, so we're here exactly.
1: (laughs) He does, he's of course confused at what Bruce says here, and he says, I don't see any wolves, must be watching a different channel. (laughs)
0: Yeah, he's got those kind of one liners. some vehicles, they're just
1: invulnerable. It doesn't matter what you do with them. The vehicle doesn't get damaged. But a lot of times in masks, we're really starting to appreciate and see. They actually smash these vehicles up. Mask yes. Select the mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason G. DJ. Movie writer. 80s guru. Vehicle code name: Frontier. Wyatt B., Sound Engineer, Movie Writer, Airman, Vehicle Code Name, Dakota.
0: Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Greetings, MassCast listeners, and welcome to MassCast 31. We thank you for tuning in via iTunes and Stitcher Radio and Buzzsprout. We also thank you for visiting our Mask Movie blog and voting in our poll, and leaving your comments for tonight's podcast episode. Tonight we'll be reviewing Vanishing Point, which is episode 23 of the Mask Animated series. It was originally broadcast on October 30th, 1985. In this episode, Venom hijacks planes by setting up a fake airport, jamming radar, And confusing pilots to get them to land there. So, this will be a fun episode. I am your host, Jason, and as always, I'm joined by my MassCast co host, my partner in crime, the roadie to my wheels. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of pole position. Wyatt, how are you?
1: That's a very good analogy. The old <laughs> uh, pole position cartoon that it was like gone and then gone.
0: Yeah. Sorry, it,
1: it was there and then gone.
0: Quick exit. Very quick. Yes, very quick. Thirteen episodes.
1: I liked it, but you know, uh, many people probably gathered to know that I, I really appreciate the gadgetry of stuff. So it was kind of cool to watch that show because you got a, a pseudo Knight Rider type uh, two talking cars. One is yes. like a futuristic bubble, glass bubble type car, race car, and the other one's an old 65 Mustang. So I really appreciated that. that uh,
0: yeah, it was it was a pretty good, I mean, it had really nothing to do with the, the arcade game.
1: No, not at all.
0: It was, uh, it was a mix of, I don't know, a Speed Racer and Scooby-Doo, and it was a uh, child of many different series. That is right. <laughs> it was, but it was still uh, fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I, I, the vehicles were the were the um, stars of that show, definitely.
1: In fact, it's that inspiration, uh, little uh, spoiler, is uh, the trailers that are on it. That's where I got the inspiration uh, when we were talking about in the script where we would get the, the trailer for Rhino. And that was actually from this because that's how they toted those cars around was in those two trailers. I think one was an actual command center the back trailer is like the old uh, UPS uh, tandem trailers that they you see a lot of. Yes. Um, the back trailer was actually the the car hauler, like Knight Rider.
0: Yeah. So yeah.
1: That's where I got that inspiration from when we were when we were making our our mass script.
0: Yeah, and fast forward um, twenty years, and uh, my boys were very much into the Hot Wheels Battle Force Five show. And they had this, uh, like, mobile command center that they would, uh, the vehicles could drive up inside, and basically that was their their home base. Right. So I, I thought of it, it, reminded me a lot of, you know, kind of the classic 80s cartoons and shows. And it was a pretty good show if you guys ever, if our listeners would ever want to check it out. Right. Um, has. You know the the vehicles are definitely the stars of that show and and their capabilities and such. So very cool show. Yes. Well, back to the show at hand. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what's happening in the mass community. We had hoped to have Bill with MattTracker.com on uh, before we recorded this episode, but circumstances didn't allow that. And uh, but he is still going to have the charity auction. That we've been hyping for for quite a while and we hope that uh, we will have bill on soon to uh, talk more about that because there is some great items um, I've seen the uh, I've seen the auction manifest and there's some really cool mask things one-of-a-kind unique items that you're just not gonna find on eBay um, so hopefully we'll get a chance to have him on soon and, uh, and discuss uh, everything about that,
1: but I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yes, yes, it's going to be really cool, and uh, we'll just plug our Facebook page here as I try to post up new uh, new posts from like the Mask Comics blog and Boulderhill.net and all of the uh, all of the Mask sites that are out there when they post new material. I like to share that uh, on there and pass it on to our fans as well. So if you're not hooked up on our Facebook page, go there and like us now, and uh, you'll get some nice uh, treats from basically the whole community. Right. So that's uh, that's we're going to keep it short this week because uh, we've got a awesome episode to talk about, and we've got some great comments. So uh, what do you say we get right to it?
1: That's right. Let's start. The Bass Cops. we immediately fade up with the military, kind of like a Knight raider theme music bed. And as we see a flying crew making their adjustments on the larger, quite large, actually, uh, airliner, we're now taken into their air traffic control tower where a crew is sitting there and now commenting that Brian is always right on time, Brian the pilot. And as the plane comes in for a landing, the pilot begins seeing an odd, almost a funky vision outside his cockpit window. At the air traffic control room...
0: They're down! Ross could land that thing blindfolded! Huh?
1: The chief, Mr. McKenna, he ends up walking out to anxiously see this plane arrive and there's nothing uh the controller runs out screaming that the plane has now vanished from the radar and the scene pretty much ends with the men being dumbfounded
0: yeah it was i like the opening scene i love that military theme that they have seemed to be using a lot more of lately and uh yeah that it was almost like a futuristic kind of jumbo jet when they finally showed it like one of those big uh I guess they call them Airbuses now or something.
1: Yeah, that uh, um, 757 or 777. 7, 7, 7, I don't know what it is now. Yeah,
0: it's yeah, it's up in there like 787 or so. I don't know. But uh, it was very cool to see that. And then uh, it was a nice scene at the end there where the chief, uh, Matt later refers to him as Dutch. You see the uh, wind kind of blowing his hair as he's just, kind of standing out in the airport, and there's nothing there. Right. That was very cool. And then the, uh, I think using that uh, last name or the name McKenna uh, in this episode was kind of a nod to Graham McKenna, who was one of the voice actors. Ah. Uh, so that's uh, that's why I, I heard that name and I immediately thought of uh, his last name. So I think that's why they used it during Probably. this episode. Anyway, so we cut then to the Tracker Mansion. The uh, chief, Dutch, he is uh, on a video conference call with Matt.
1: Since you're the principal investor in Project Hermes, you should be aware of some strange goings-on. What's wrong, Dutch? Not more reports of gremlins in the cockpits, I hope.
0: And Dutch tells Matt that the cargo plane that was to carry the Hermes jet has disappeared. And Matt kind of is dumbfounded there for a minute and thinks he's kind of joking, really. And uh, he assures them, no, it's disappeared, and the next day it was scheduled to be unveiled to the Army to basically sell them on this, uh, this jet. And Matt then, he uh, tells Dutch he's going to look into it with the uh, entire project now kind of in jeopardy with this uh, huge cargo jet disappearing. And then we immediately cut back out to Thunderhawk on the highway With uh, Scott and T Bob riding along, out to this uh, this is some some town out in uh, Western.
1: Right, they also refer they also referred to it as McKenna Flat. So uh, something's up with McKenna. That's right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he uh, he must have slipped him a twenty or something to to do a name drop in this episode. I guess so. (laughs) But uh, they uh, Scott and T Bob go back and forth. Scott remembers about riding a cowboy's horse on their previous visit to this town.
1: You call that a horse? That old nag was completely falling apart. Falling apart? What are you talking about? Oh, well, before you rode the horse, I saw the cowboy nailing on his feet. T-Bob, don't you know anything? He was putting on the horseshoes.
0: But uh, Matt is now telling them that they probably won't get to do that this time because this factory is shut down that was in this town and he figures the town is deserted almost a ghost town now
1: so now we're just after matt makes a comment that it's a ghost town we're now in a kind of ushered into a very vibrant and rocking town they even had the rock music going <laughs> Well, it's not much of a ghost town, is it? Uh Uh-uh. It's busier than ever. wonder how come. We even see... To me, I saw Manta parked off the side of town. Yeah, I did too. So, they thought they would have gotten tipped off by that, but they missed that one. They all pull off to the side, and they exit Thunderhawk. Scott spots a small mechanical riding horse and tells T-Bob that there's something... He can ride. Oh,
0: I'm not getting on that thing. Come on, I'll treat you. Treat. It looks more
1: like a trip. T Bob then attempts to transform and run off, and Scott is very surprisingly strong to be able to hold a powered unicycle robot in place.
0: Yeah. Well he was kind of half transformed. He had the wheel down, but I don't think it was on the ground, you know. He was oh, no? like I th- it, yeah, I think he was in the middle of trying to transform, and he like grabbed him and <laughs> held him back. But
1: uh, he ended up somehow guiding him towards that mechanical horse. But when they arrive, a little girl asks if she can ride ride him, and it's she's actually speaking of T-Bob here, the girl who looks a lot like Pippi Longstocking, or maybe the Wendy from the restaurant. Yeah, uh, she jumps on with her mom slipping a quarter. Just below T-Bob's little eye cutout socket thing. And, uh, nothing happens and the girl begins to thump on T-Bob's head saying, Hey, I want a ride!
0: Start moving! Go on, it'll hurt her feelings.
1: And he ends up right in circles and we're off to the next actual real life cause for Mask, not T-Bob and Scott.
0: Yeah, before we get to that, I just wanted to note quickly that there was a very cool shot um, as they were coasting into town, uh, like a reflection on Thunderhawk's windshield. Yes, I like that. That was uh, that was very cool. Yes, there was there was some cool uh, animation throughout this episode, but I wanted to point that out as well. Yes,
1: I, I didn't jot that down, but I remember that. That that's a good point. So now inside a general store, Matt has a conversation with the clerk or maybe the owner.
0: Looks like business is booming in McKenna. Sure is. Ever since Cowchips Gypsum started building their plant out yonder.
1: chips which to me almost sounded like he said "cow chips," uh, <laughs> is an out-of-state company that set up a business and that they've just kind of come in, gone as they please with their own trucks and their own men. Scott and T-Bob are now wandering in at the tail end of this conversation when the clerk is pointing out a... Uh, like a check up on the wall.
0: Take a picture of that check. Huh?
1: Go on, I'll explain later.
0: Quick! Uh...
1: T-Bob, what was all that? Take this out to the car, okay? But why was (laughs) T-Bob... I I like this little segment here because it was interesting to see Matt is just kind of questioning what's going on and he kind of he, he slips back just momentarily. Hey, T-Bob, step the picture. Click. Okay, yeah. here you go.
0: He does some good CSI work in this, uh, in this yeah, scene. He did. <laughs> he's all, he's all, he's one to always question everything. So he is. He see, saw that framed uh, signed check on the wall, and uh, he wants to know more about this company. So I don't I don't know if his intention was to to uh, get the signature on the check or if it was just a matter of trying to get an address or something on this company Right. that it was some good detective work on Matt's part.
1: I agree.
0: Um, so they step back out into Thunderhawk. Matt, he inserts the, the picture that T-Bob took of this check into the computer.
1: Give me background data on CalGyps Gypsum. No such company exists in the data bank. Scan this check for signature analysis. The handwriting is altered. One moment while I normalize the letters. Handwriting confirmation completed. It belongs to Miles Mayhem. Oh, wow. Venom. Yeah.
0: This is going to be exciting. Of course, Matt
1: has to spoil his fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. Matt has to, uh, he, he chimes in and tells Scott that he and T-Bob have to stay in town. And he immediately calls for a satellite link back to the mask headquarters. And we finally get the agent call-up. This was a little bit deeper into the episode. I think it was about the six and a half minute mark before we uh, we do the call-up. So there was a good deal of uh, backstory uh, put into this episode.
1: Right, which I liked. I appreciated that.
0: Yes, I did, too. I did, too. The agent call-up, we get uh, Bruce... Who is He's doing a radio control car uh, demonstration for this toy company where he's using a flashlight to power this car, and the, and the car goes by the, the the beam of this light. He gets the call on his watch, and he tells him that the demo is over, and he runs out the door and turns on the light, and this, <laughs> this car goes crazy inside. <laughs> that was pretty comical, actually.
1: I like I, that one. Then we have Dusty and Gator, and we see... Dusty putting uh, what looks like the mix into the mixer or something. He actually, then when he gets a call, he bumps the pizza mixer and it ends up shooting
0: yeah. the dough all I over. I it place. was like a, I think it was like a pasta machine or something. Probably. Yeah, and then Gloria, we get Gloria. She's teaching a uh, a kung fu lesson, and it's a good shot of her at first. I think I included that in the the little picture montage on Facebook and they are mimicking every move that she does. Well, she gets up on one leg, and then she gets the call and jets out of there, and <laughs> all of our students are left there kind of standing on one leg, and then they fall backwards and fall over. Right. And then we cut right to Boulder Hill, and we don't go inside. We don't do any any kind of thing with the mask or the uh, the war room. Inside Boulder Hill, we just see the garage doors opening up and Gator and Shark and Rhino uh, exiting out in a hurry.
1: Then we're back to the little town of McKenna, and they're all parked kind of in an alleyway there. And we see the team all huddling around Rhino's monitor in the back of Rhino there, and they're watching the new jet. Look at that baby go! I've never seen a Mach 5 handle like that! It's a major breakthrough, all right. A portable jet that could be taken apart and reassembled in anyway. No wonder Venom wants to get its hands on it. Pretty impressive that they went, and, you know, really went high-tech on this. But it was funny, if you looked at the jet, when it was, uh, I guess, collapsed or broken down, it looked, it reminded me of uh, the original Transformers... The uh, pterodactyl was his name scratch uh,
0: it was um,
1: swoop swoop it reminded yeah. me a lot of him when he did when they did that uh,
0: the transformation yeah so, I can see it now that you that you mention it yeah it, it is very similar
1: right but you know I wasn't sure if it was a YouTube blunder or whomever recorded it but I caught a video the video seemed to be kind of garbled, or it jumped just a split second at the very end of this verbiage about the jet. Did you catch that?
0: No. No, I didn't have anything in my notes about that. Must be be
1: my internet. But uh, in any event, they're discussing where where to find Venom, and uh, Bruce provides a very obvious and very overstated uh, proverb.
0: The haystack is a large place to search for the needle. (laughs) No kidding. Um, Not really necessary there.
1: No. So as the team coincidentally peers around the corner, uh, on hearing a truck coming around the corner, uh, they end up seeing... It it, it drives past them all, and it was another great animation scene because you see the glass. You don't see anybody. Then, As the truck appears and passes by, it, it reveals that Rax and Dagger are driving past in this kind of futuristic purple tractor trailer.
0: It was hard to uh, miss them.
1: Yeah, really hard
0: <laughs> and to that, miss them. And that futuristic semi, that's going to turn some heads. <laughs> I think so.
1: So in surprise, Scott yells, <laughs> Look. Speak of the devils. Let's nail them. And then they all like scramble chasing after them.
0: Yeah, it was a little coincidental there for me. Um, I really liked the, the concept of the, the jet and being portable and and all that, but uh, I don't know.
1: It, just as they're walking out of Rhino, and there do they come, yeah. just happened to be coming through time at the same moment.
0: At least it wasn't the whole episode; like they just happened to be in the same town together, like they've done before. Oh. It was just a matter of them noticing them, you know, going through town. So it wasn't wasn't too bad on the negative side for me. So with uh, with Scott and T Bob left behind, <laughs> Scott tells uh, T Bob.
1: Come on, let's go. No way. Your father said to stay out of it. Not exactly. Dad just said to stay in town, and that's where all the action's gonna be. He's still not gonna like it. He won't mind, especially when we end up saving the day. I love how he has power <laughs> persuasion. Yes.
0: So he uh, he tells T-Bob to go to motor scooter mode, and I. Had one little tick here, and I'm not sure why he did it. Maybe I missed something, but when he, when T Bob transformed, he
1: slapped T Bob's head.
0: Yeah, he's like hugging the front. <laughs> he's almost like putting his arms around the front where T Bob would be looking around, you know. He's like hugging instead of holding on to the T Bob's arms or his little handlebars, you know. He hugs, hugs them. So uh-huh. I don't know. It's just weird. But anyway, so they take off, and we cut over to th- this factory. And we see the Semi pull up and stop and mask their, uh, their behind in their cars, and they kind of sneak up behind these crates. And uh, I like the doors on this Semi were just like Thunderhawk, the way they opened. Yeah. So it was this, you know, kind of futuristic Semi out of uh, the Highwayman or something, you know. Exactly. <laughs> um, Dagger, he goes, gets his forklifts and starts unloading these crates from the back of the semi. And Mask begins to guess at maybe what's inside or what they're going to use these crates for.
1: Looks like packing crates or some kind of machinery. Or
0: airplane parts. Scott and T-Bob, they're not far behind Mask now. And they're sitting in another forklift, kind of uh, back behind Mask. Scott wants a closer look, of course. And he leaves uh, the scaredy-cat T-Bob behind. Mm-hmm. And uh, T-Bob, after he leaves, he's, uh, he gets down. He doesn't want to be by himself, and he accidentally hits this lever on the forklift. And the forklift takes off, <laughs> and he uh, crashes into the side of this building.
1: T-Bob! Whoa! Oh! Yikes! T-Bob,
0: are you all right? Matt looks over and, Scott, T-Bob! What are you doing here? Well, you told us not to be here, so we're here. Exactly. <laughs> So, out of the commotion, the uh, the, the crash, uh, the, the forklift crashing into this building alerts Venom that there's something going on. They look back, and they see Mask, and Dagger yells over to Rax, Keep him busy while I get the truck out of here. And we see Piranha actually exiting from the semi. It was inside, which is pretty cool.
1: Right, and I like how it was ejected. You know, it was a side, like actually on the side of the, the truck there, and it yeah. Out, ejects, and then finally takes off after them. I thought it was a pretty impressive trailer there. We're actually, truck.
0: Yeah. And I, I kind of thought of this semi as kind of a maybe a forerunner to the Outlaw tanker. Could be.
1: Could be. So, as uh, Rax just like, once he ejects, he begins to just immediately blast a mask. Bruce ends up using Lifter and tosses both Rax and Piranha into a vat of glue, which was pretty comical there. He ends up yeah. somehow ejecting out of the vat, and then just gets right back on and starts blasting away while Dagger takes the truck and drives off. One of these blasts, however, from Piranha, hits an electrical breaker box, sends a charge up, and it somehow triggers the overhead radial arm saw. Here's my tick on this, because I've yet to ever see an overhead saw blade.
0: Yeah, I, I wasn't kind of I mean, sure is, on it the wasn't, purpose of that.
1: It wasn't like in a sawmill that I've seen where it's within arm's reach. This thing was at the top of a hanger door. Yeah. So that didn't make sense to me. But, you know, that happens here in futuristic <laughs> land of mask. Uh, anyway, so it's... It's on a track, and it's working its way towards this stack of tied-up logs. Matt looks at the logs, then look, goes over and looks at where they might fall, and it just happens to be uh, in the direction of where Scott is, where he's tending to T-Bob as T-Bob is now you know, crashed from uh, his little boo-boo from the forklift episode. As Scott is taking care of, uh, of T-Bob, Matt tells Scott to look out as the blade ends up Cutting through the rope, and we start seeing the timbers fall towards the duo. And they actually have both of them actually have this blood-curdling scream, yeah. which I actually like because it added a real great, suspenseful uh, commercial break. Oh, no! ah, ah,
0: ah! You know, immediately I thought as we're going into the break and we fade out to black as the Timbers are falling towards Scott and T, but I'm thinking, all right, it's lifter time.
1: That's what I thought. It just seemed
0: <laughs> just seemed like uh, we were gonna get lifter again, but uh, it's actually Matt that comes up and he uses Spectrum to shoot uh, like a laser out and chop these timbers in half. It was very reminiscent of I think it's the uh, Highway of Terror episode where they're in this building and. I think mayhem shoots a uh, missile at the side of this skyscraper going up and all these beams start coming down and falling towards dusty and hondo uses blaster to vaporize these beams metal beams so anyway it was very reminiscent of that and matt kind of chops through these timbers and spectrum on. run over to scott and t-bob make sure they're okay and scott he's i was surprised at his reaction it's like
1: you all right sure that was really neat you saved us just in time another second and those logs would have crushed us and i would have spent the rest of my life as a sardine can
0: matt uh, he basically runs over i don't think he says anything to scott no i
1: don't think
0: so other than he's you know this is a uh, we've got a job to finish now and they immediately take off after they run over to Scott and t Bob. Take off after Venom. So there wasn't any. He didn't do any scolding to.
1: You know, I told Scott, you to stay you back. Here? and All that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I mean, this could be more towards the you know our little theory of Scott coming on as part of the team more and more. Right. But uh, they uh, they roll out. They're back in their mask vehicles, and Matt uses Spectrum. To track Venom's tire trails. Still picking up Venom's infrared from the road. We're on their track. Is what I. Well, took he away he,
1: from. he actually said the infrared trail right. from them, which I don't know how. I, again, this is I guess too. Freak-
0: I know. Thick. I I did uh, the same thing.
1: <laughs> how you can c- catch the infrared off the Venom tires, um, but you know maybe it's spitting ooze out. For all I know.
0: Yeah, yeah, they didn't do a good job of explaining how he's using infrared to track, or what he's actually tracking, because tire treads I don't think would leave anything that would be traceable by infrared. But again, we are uh, having the benefit of going through this cartoon as adults. Right. (laughs) Um, Dusty asks uh, Matt, which is a good question, why can't they just call off this jet demo for the Army? And Matt says, it's too late, and the army is already set up for this uh, demo. And just as he's talking to Dusty, the Hermes jet flies overhead. It's the Hermes jet. I'm going up. Thunderhawk jet mode. He uses like a voice command
1: here. Yeah, I, I noted this. I, <laughs> I didn't understand. He sits there, and, and he actually gives it like an order, you
0: know, Thunderhawk yeah.
1: jet mode. But then he actually pushes a button.
0: Yeah, and I don't know, that's what kind of reminded me of the uh, Pole Position cartoon, is they're they're kind of, he's like talking to his car and telling it what to do, you know.
1: Right, but it also reminded me of Knight Rider because there was a lot of times that Michael would tell Kit to turbo boost or do something, but he would still end up pushing the button. Kit didn't push the button.
0: True, true, true. The good thing about this conversion, too, even though he used this weird voice command there was a nice slow sequence of the doors kind of yeah. going up and the lasers coming out and um, him taking off and uh flying in the sky so that was a
1: that was a great animation right there i like that
0: yeah that was a real good part
1: so then gloria tells matt don't let it out of your sight animal stuff has nothing to hijack that bird and as matt follows the jet bruce tells matt that he's going the wrong way something's wrong matt According to the radar, the jet is traveling to southeast. You're going in the wrong direction. Do
0: another scan. I see the baby right in front of me. Negative. There's no jet in your vicinity.
1: Dusty wonders what's going on, and Bruce replies with a proverb. Even the wolf circles back, leaving two sets of tracks to confuse its pursuers. (laughs) I love Dusty again. I think he's one of my favorite characters. Dusty's, of course, confused at what... Bruce says here, and he says, I don't see any wolves. must be watching a different channel.
0: Yeah. He's got those kind of one-liners that, I mean, sometimes they're kind of corny, but then like that one where we must be watching a different channel. I I like that one.
1: I did, too. So Matt figures it out that Venom is sending out a false radar signal to confuse the control tower. Uh, Gloria and Bruce all agree that this is how the tower saw their cargo plane on the radar, but that obviously was not physically there at the airfield.
0: Yeah, and there was a really cool kind of split screen when Gloria chimes in and then when Bruce chimes in about the the radar signal. Um, You got Matt in like the upper left portion of the screen, and then they come in the bottom. It almost looks like a a comic book. And they've done it before. They've done it a few times. It's been a while since they've done that split screen.
1: But I like that. I like that.
0: Yeah, it's got that real kind of comic book inlay effect. Very cool. Yes.
1: So we now come upon Miles and Vanessa watching the jet as Rax and Dagger pull in with this cargo truck. It's about time. The jet's almost here.
0: Get those crates ready. Activate the field. Now!
1: And we end up seeing what appears to be an earthquake at first but then it we see start seeing large uh, panels flip around in the desert that ends up revealing a complete transformer airfield.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Com- basically.
1: Complete with projectors that produce holograms that replicate the entire airfield, the hangars, the control tower, and so forth. And then Miles just kind of sits back and admires his little work deceiving yeah. everybody about this gypsum factory.
0: Yeah, I like that little couple lines that he had there kind of bragging on himself yeah i did too my airfield as pretty as a picture
1: <laughs>
0: stupid fools they thought we were building a gypsum plant <laughs> so we're back at the real airport now and dutch tells the army personnel that the jet will be arriving shortly the hermes jet it touches down the controller then shouts again that it's disappeared and and Dutch doesn't act very surprised this time, you know. No. Like here we go again.
1: I knew it. I'm gonna be sick. The pilots,
0: they, after they touch down, they open the cockpit and they kind of look around, wonder why no one is there to meet them. And all of a sudden, we get all of these laser guns kind of coming up out of the ground and pointing in their direction. <laughs> What? And by the time they all come out, there's like it looked like about twenty or twenty-five guns, just like pointed at the, at the pilots. So mayhem. And this was a really cool part. I they kind of appear on this, the same way the the guns did, kind of on this elevator almost mm-hmm. from the ground, and they kind of rise up from the ground. That was a really cool shot. They're wearing their masks. Who are you? Well, it appears that one billion dollars has been airmailed
1: right into
0: my hands. We cut back over to Thunderhawk and Matt trying to find the jet and where it went, and then he sees the airport, and then we cut immediately cut right back to the airport, the Venom's airport, and uh, the pilots are now they're in this containment cell inside, and we see the uh, we see the Venom minions. Uh, there's a few there that are helping them work and. And uh, Dagger and Rax are there, and they're working on transforming this jet and and getting it into this truck. And uh, one of the uh, pilots kind of mouths off to uh, Vanessa and Mayhem. And uh, Vanessa, this is a great moment Mm -hmm. again. This is just totally her.
1: Just don't try anything smart, or I'll give you a
0: taste of this.
1: Of course, they actually uh, had that devilish you know, chuckle. That...
0: Yeah, yeah, and May- Mayhem has a great laugh here. Yeah. That uh, kind of evil, ha, ha, you know, laugh. <laughs> and Mayhem then tells her to quickly de- deactivate the field before someone else sees it. Well, the buildings start to disappear, and the airstrip converts back to the desert, and Matt, he sees the whole thing overhead. How about that? A vanishing airport. Should have known. When Venom moves in, real estate goes down. Team, log on to my coordinates. Get here as fast as you can. Right about that time, uh, inside the Venom headquarters, an intruder alert goes off. And I like this part right here, too, where Mayhem, he decides he's going to handle this personally. Yeah. An intruder! Ah! Mask. I'll handle this. This is, uh, this is almost like, uh, Darth Vader going after, you know, Luke, trying to stop the, blow up the Death Star, you know. I'm going to handle this myself.
1: Right, we see a bunch of guns, all those guns just start popping up, and they're they're just shooting like crazy all over Thunderhawk. And Matt is really cleverly, you know, doing some acrobatics with uh, Thunderhawk. I was really impressed, especially with the animation, not even really the fact that, you know, we have a very impressive pilot as much as the complexity of this animation was just was just great.
0: Yeah, doing all the barrel rolls and stuff while the the G.I. Joe laser fire is going off everywhere, you know. <laughs> it's just covering the screen.
1: Right. So Miles ends up popping up in Switchblade and ends up blasting what looks like Thunderhawk's tire. And Matt kind of acknowledges the welcoming committee. And just then we end up seeing the rest of Mask arriving and Blasting. They're all shooting at uh, Switchblade right now. Miles lets the rest of Venom know and instructs them. Keep them away from the hangar until the jet is on that cargo plane. The rest of Venom end up jumping out of the ground and begin blasting away. I was really impressed at how they jumped out. I mean, we later <laughs> see that it's a ramp, but at first I'm sitting there thinking, okay, they all just get like, slingshotted out of this hole?
0: Yeah, that was... They just kind of popped on scene and com- immediately converted over. And uh, I, I don't know. It seemed like they were in this area, you know, like out when you're out in Las Vegas where there's just miles and miles of desert. And that's where they do all those speed testings, you know, out there. Right. Where uh, those, you know, super fast cars, they try to break the speed of sound and all that stuff. And that just seemed – I had that whole feeling when we are watching this battle as Venom is going – Full force in one direction, and mass is coming full force in the other direction, and they're just firing everything they have at each other. It seemed like. You won't wiggle your way out of this one. So we see uh, Piranha firing uh, multiple torpedoes at Shark, and uh, finally, this the third he kind of locks in on uh, shark and just as he's gonna launch the torpedo thunderhawk just swoops in and there's no sound i, I really like this there's no sound from the thunderhawk bomb that kind of drops and just kind of floats down and it blows up right behind piranha and uh here we go with racks off the bike again explodes right behind him and Rax gets like ejected forward and lands wrapped around this cactus. The bike hits below the cactus, and then he just kind of falls right on top of the bike.
1: Right, and I was impressed that he didn't like scream in <laughs> bloody pain because of him slamming. You know, he was actually like, bear hugging this cactus.
0: Yeah, I, I was surprised too. They didn't throw in some uh, some screaming or something while he's.
1: But something <laughs> else was. Uh, of noteworthy here just just uh, now we start seeing a great overhead shot of Matt and Thunderhawk but it's looking completely like a 90 degree vertically down through the, the T-top of, of Thunderhawk looking down at Shark on the ground as Matt is now telling Gloria to check out that hangar you yeah. see her rushing off and of course dodging all these laser blasts in the way so that was an impressive scene there, just that little shot. The overhead shot there. I like that.
0: Yeah, I like that as well. And uh it was it's pretty impressive what Gloria is able to pull off through this too. She's basically driving head on through all this laser fire. Oh yeah. And she finds this uh ramp which I'm assuming is the one that the Venom vehicles came out of. She goes down into and uh she's smashes through these doors with these venom the minions are... she was really crashing apart. that car around. And she just yeah, she just bursts straight through those doors and does that power slide right to a halt and kinda of exits the vehicle. And amazingly there's nobody else around. She sees the jet.
1: There it is. Hey Help us the crew
0: cut right back to Jackhammer uh, hunting down Rhino, and uh, <laughs> this was a this was a great scene. I love it when vehicles get smashed. I don't know what it is, but uh, as
1: to the realism, because it's it's even for a cartoon, and we've seen before how some vehicles they're just invulnerable. It doesn't matter what you do with them, the vehicle doesn't get damaged. But a lot of times in Mask, we're really starting to appreciate and see they actually smash these vehicles up. Yeah, of course. In the next yeah. episode, they're perfectly fine just like you know <laughs> just like the general lee it jumps it wrecks you see the crushed metal but in the next <laughs> scene perfectly a good just freshly yeah. waxed
0: yeah yeah well you know same with knight rider exactly but um it yeah it would have been cool if we'd have seen some damage from uh, glorious smashing through all those doors in the venom hangar but um we get to uh we get back to a jackhammer on the tail of Rhino and, and Bruce says, Sometimes the indirect
1: approach is
0: best. And he fires the Rhino missile. He pulls one out of Venom's old uh, playbook. He fires the Rhino missile at the mountainside and the impact dislodges this huge boulder, mm-hmm. like bigger than the actual jackhammer vehicle. And it falls down the face of this cliff. And just squashes it like a bug. Loved it. <laughs> I I literally said wow <laughs> when I first saw that. And you see Dagger kind of jumping out uh, to safety from right. the from the driver side. But that was a that was a fun scene there. Just oh, yeah. seeing just seeing Jackhammer squashed. But then we cut back to um, Switchblade, which is converting to jet mode.
1: And that and was a very quick after- transformation. I've never it seen it that. That, well that and the, even the guns looked like they were slightly fast forwarded in their automation the, the yeah, guns coming yeah. up from the ground, I mean but
0: uh, well it, you get into the heat of battle uh, I guess he can change it a little bit quicker than, <laughs> than some of these stylish kind of transformations they've done you know when it's not so uh, not so needed, but anyway, he transforms and he uh, chases down thunderhawk, he shoots a missile. And it's a heat seeker. Squirm out of this one, And Matt, he does the old, uh, he, He's done this once before, where he gets that missile on his tail, right? And he flies Thunderhawk kind of straight in towards this uh, sheer cliff, and he pulls it up right at the last minute. And goes straight up this cliff as the missile impacts below. And this is some great animation here. This might be my favorite part of the whole episode. Because he comes up this cliff. And it just like he was shot. It was like a, a the shuttle launching, you know, up from this mountain. And he does this maneuver where he doesn't kind of turn around to come to where he's facing straight. He comes straight up the cliff and does this uh, kind of backflip. And he's upside down, and he shoots mayhem while he's upside down in the air. That
1: was awesome right there. I like that. It
0: was very cool. Uh, And he knocks uh, Switchblade out of control.
1: So he ends up hitting Switchblade, and as it's tumbling kind of on the right side, uh, he hears Gloria telling that, I've located the cargo plane and the Hermes jet. The crew's also safe and sound. Well, that's just over the radio. Switchblade is transforming back into copter mode and ends up uh, smoking and crashing into the ground.
0: Now, before this happens, did you hear Matt's reply back to Gloria?
1: I didn't catch it.
0: He says, I'm on my way. If you listen, it does. it's not Matt. It's like, it's mayhem. It's mayhem that
1: sounds... <laughs> I didn't catch uh, that.
0: No, I I mean it was like um it was like Doug Stone had left for the day and forgot to say one line and they <laughs> grabbed uh <laughs> they grabbed mayhem uh I can't think of his name now. Oh, Sharon Noble's going to kill me. Yeah. I can't remember her husband. Um he, he it's like he grabbed him and said, "Alright, just say this line and try to sound like Matt, you know." <laughs> But it was, yeah, you could tell it was not Matt saying it, but right. anyway, that was just a little tick that I that I found.
1: So then Miles then makes the comment, If I can't have the jet, no one will. This will put an end to it. Of course, a classic, devious line there, and uh, he opens up this box uh, with a destruction button inside, and he ends up pressing it. Well, it engages uh, a self-destruct bomb on, on this entire underground complex of uh, venoms. The alarm goes off, with Gloria seeing that it's uh, it's a bomb, just as Rhino and Thunderhawk are now just sliding, literally, power sliding into the room. Mask all runs up, and Gloria ends up telling them that Only twenty seconds. Uh, reminds me of MacGyver episodes here.
0: Yeah, it was very MacGyverish. <laughs> yeah,
1: he begins like literally pulling apart wires. It's just not working. Bruce then says, "There's the timer. If I only had a bobby pin." Of course, Gloria just so happens to have one. But mm-hmm. it, it, I kind of liked it, it, the suspense because she she pulls her mask off. She's looking around, trying to feel for one. <laughs> She's a while.
0: kind of digging through her mop top there. Right,
1: <laughs> I, I know I have one here somewhere. And then, like, within milliseconds, she gives it to Bruce. He slams it. He puts it in the reset slot, whatever it is. And we see it dwindle down to .01 seconds.
0: It was like one one-hundredth of a second. It wasn't even, like, one full second. <laughs> it was like, yeah. One one-hundredth of a second, this thing stops at. What
1: was comical, and I loved it, is Dusty, who's already wearing his mask, not that it's a great protection, but he's wearing his mask. He actually covers his head. He puts his arms over his head and covers himself. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So then Matt then uh, states, of course, that was a close one and that they owe Gloria one. Of course, she just replies with a wink, saying, And you owe me a trip to the beauty shop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. And then we uh, we cut back to airport to wrap up the episode with the uh, army personnel. And T-Bob is he's kind of screaming through these binoculars as he's trying to watch the Hermes jet do its maneuvers. Dusty kind of slaps man on the back and says,
1: I figure those army bigwigs are right mighty impressed.
0: No doubt about it. The Hermes jet is the fastest thing I've ever seen. And then Scott sees the little girl from before right. that was riding on T-Bob. She's over there in the crowd. Uh, yeah, I think he identifies her as one of the general's daughters. Uh, daughters. And uh, he tells T-Bob to... Uh, Look through the binoculars, and he sees the girl. And
1: huh? oh no, I'm um, getting back here.
0: Matt jokes that he just broke Mach six as uh, as he took off away from this girl, and they have one more laugh at the end. So we get two laughs, really, really, yeah, for the end at the end of this episode, and that's that's all we got into our public service announcement.
1: Right, and here we have Scott. He's carrying uh, some firewood. Fireplace is going to feel cozy tonight. Is that all you're going to carry? Dad said never to carry more than you can safely handle. Of course, T-Bob asserts that he is saving a lot of trips, you know, by carrying all this many logs, but he ends up fumbling, Uh, even gets beamed by a log, (laughs) and uh, ends up, you know, saying that... You were right, Scott. I might have saved three trips. But I ended up taking one trip too many. Ouch! And that was a roll your eyes moment right there. Yeah. What was your rating right. for this one?
0: Well, um, there was some there was some good and some bad, um, but there really wasn't enough bad for me to knock it a full point down. So I'm I'm rating it a four and a half, and I'm gonna. Do my roundup, and I'm I'm giving this one a five. There was great animation throughout. There's many shots that look like they were straight out of a comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that one real close-up of Mayhem that um, his face is kind of shadowed uh, when he's when they first go to their hideout that I really enjoyed as well. We talked about the reflection on the Thunderhawk windshield that was really cool. I liked the plot and the the jet concept. There was a lot of kind of conceptual stuff in this episode right. the the futuristic semi and the, the the jumbo jet at the very beginning of the episode too that was i thought was way ahead of its time and how big it was and everything uh the countdown was good it added some good drama at the end and it gave venom kind of a chance to get away and of course i liked the mortality of all the the vehicles right. and how they kind of crashed and burned in this episode the bad thing, which was really the, the, the one thing that really bugged me the most about this one, is what happened to Vanessa? She's like she's totally gone at the end of the episode. She, right. she doesn't appear. She's not in the battle. They don't show her escaping in any way. She just kind of disappears. I, I think we had one other episode where Dagger kind of disappeared at the mm-hmm. end of the episode.
1: Right, and I was should surprised. Be- you know, I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it, that, that she uh, should kind of just void of of the episode except just that little part to flex her muscle with the whip that was it
0: yeah it was it was a real wasted opportunity for me Mm -hmm. i mean they even showed manta that that we both noticed that at the beginning of the episode right they didn't really use it for anything though Uh, maybe they just drew it in to to put a car there or something i don't know but anyway um just a couple ticks um they didn't explain how the infrared on Spectrum was able to, to track the semi. We talked about that. The way the Scott held on to T-Bob that one time. And then that little screw-up with the voice on Matt. Um, that was really the only little ticks. But like I said, about the time I was ready to back it down a grade, something else would kick in in this episode to keep it keep it up towards that five. So that was very good. I mean, what did you think?
1: I'm right along with you. I... Uh- I was, I couldn't knock it down a full point, Uh, so I said it was a good solid 4.5. So I'm going to round it up myself to five. And um, I initially noticed a small quirk. T. Bob's voice was actually a little bit altered right at the beginning. I I don't know if uh, Doug was clearing his throat or what, but it sounded like he. It was just like a higher, higher pitch. than normal, but eventually it normaled out, and it was all fine.
0: So it just... I think it's actually uh, Graham McKenna that does T-Bob. Is it? I think so. I, I don't think it was Doug. Doug. Doug does uh, Matt and Bruce. Uh, I think he. I think he does. Uh, I think he does Dusty too.
1: Yeah, I thought he did Dusty.
0: But anyway, um, yeah, I think that's that's Graham that does. Uh, I think he does T-Bob and Brad. Mm. Anyway, I, and I, now that I think of it, it's Brendan. Brendan McCain is uh, is Miles Mayhem. Oh, uh, so okay. I remembered. It's all coming back to me now. Okay, <laughs> just needed a few minutes, right. so won't totally throw all the our, our 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 voice actors under the bus for for getting their names. Right. <laughs> so
1: the other thing that got me was again, it's a little technical thing, but an overhead. Door radial arm saw just didn't make sense whatsoever. I know it added to the drama or suspense of you know them getting hurt, but it just that just did not make sense whatsoever. But really, I think the, what saved it was a lot of the great animation. It's like they finally uh, came back off their weekend or holiday or whatever it was, and went back to actually yeah. producing some quality animation. Doing it more realistic as far as, you know, uh, like initially when we see the truck coming through town. You can't see through the windshield, but uh, until they pass by, mask. Then we see, yeah. you know, inside and see Rax and Dagger.
0: Yeah, that was uh, really
1: cool. That's just one one example. Uh, just impressive animation. Again, the, the Thunderhawk just rolling, uh, dodging all those lasers was really impressive. The transformations were awesome. Even the suspense of Thunderhawk climbing out of the ravine, we talked about that, but it was still an impressive scene. Uh, Like you, I think it's one of my favorites out of this episode. I liked how they handled the mysterious, kind of falsified company for Venom, where it was the gypsum company. I liked that. that. I liked that. It was a good cover. Um, The high-tech jet uh, being the target, that was impressive. It's usually something... To me, minuscule, it's usually some kind of mineral, uh, diamonds or gold or something like that that's usually pushing Venom to seek it. But but I like this. This was an object that he was actually trying to acquire. Uh, I liked Venom's hideout. I, I was impressed. I'd like to have a transforming runway whenever I want it. Yeah.
0: It was kind of funny that, you know, they. I think he put a price tag of a billion dollars on this jet. Right, And I was... When he said that, I was like, "Man, I wonder how much it took to build like this transforming airport and have these projector uh, cameras and all these lasers that pop up out of the ground." I mean,
1: <laughs> well, that's what's going to cover the cost—is the plane? <laughs> I guess
0: <laughs> he financed it through <laughs> trying to steal this plane. Um, anyway, I
1: liked I liked the the our goofing duos, but I, I thought that. Uh, T-Bob was just a little too berserk, not grossly, like he like they sometimes overdo it. But I think there was a couple times where they could have backed him down a notch.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was some – it wasn't just him in this episode that had the roll-your-eyes moments um, right. to me. So I I thought it was a decent use of Scott and T-Bob. It wasn't one of the, the better ones that I would rank. Right as far as they go, but it was, you still had that kind of a, you know, we're going to do what we want anyway and kind of go against what dad says. And we're going to follow along and get ourselves into trouble down the line, you know? Um, so they were still, they weren't, you know, directly involved at the end of the episode, but um, the way they used them, it was, it was enough to, you know, use them well. Right. And then kind of back off. Right.
1: Right. So, did you see any similarities to the movie, our script in this?
0: Um, I, the only thing that I really, uh, kind of remembered was when Jackhammer gets totaled. Um, we total, uh, Jackhammer in our movie at the end in the, in the final battle.
1: Well, we kind of total him twice.
0: <laughs> well, true, yeah, um. There's one time I think we actually flip him over mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, I can't remember. <laughs> can't remember. It's been a while since I've been at the end of our script, but I can't remember how he gets it back up, and then uh, and then he gets it totaled even more at the end. So that's that's all I really took away from this episode. What did you uh, What did you take? Well, away?
1: I saw two things. I missed. I missed really the the whole jackhammer being annihilated. Um. I saw uh, the desert battle, because we have that big onslaught right at the, the final scene or the final segment of the, the movie. That's where they have the big battles in the desert. Yep. And uh, the second one is, and we've hit on it before, is where uh, Thunderhawk does this uh, vertical climb out of a ravine, uh, just exactly like this episode even shows, except that... Uh, Thunderhawk doesn't end up on his roof and shooting at at uh, Miles. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see what uh, our fans have voted. It was actually yeah, they, uh, I, pretty heavy sided, I
0: think. Yeah, they they, they pretty much uh, agreed with us that uh, this is one of the better episodes so far of uh, as we go through episodes twenty to twenty nine. Uh, we had eleven votes for a five. And we had only one other vote in the poll, and that was for a two. And we'll get to uh, we'll get to that vote in just a second. But let's do uh, ladies first uh, with our comments. And our buddy Anna, she says about this episode: This is a fantastic episode with some beautiful animation. Love it when the crew comes out of the jet, and suddenly all those guns come out. And then three of the Venom agents appear from beneath the ground. I also love it when the Venom cars jump up in the air as they drive up from their hideout. In addition, there's some good action with the bomb at the end. Great. Great. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So that was Anna's take. Uh, We go back over to the blog post, and we have a couple more. Right,
1: we have, uh, is it Eric from Boulder Hill?
0: Eric from Boulder Hill. Right, uh-huh. but this
1: is a different Eric. Uh, we actually have two Eric's commenting on this blog. It says, uh, Eric, again, from boulderhill.net, he says, The writing on this episode felt lazy. I gave <laughs> it a two. So we know who the two is. <laughs> yes.
0: And then Eric from uh, Cartoonopolis, I believe this is the Eric. He uh, he kind of goes back at uh, the other Eric and says, A two? How did this episode get a two vote? This is easily one of the best episodes of the series. The animation is absolutely beautiful and a joy to watch and has plenty of action with the minimal of Scott and T-Bob. Venom has a clearly identified goal and one that makes a good deal sense since advanced military technology would go a long way in furthering their cause. Venom is also presented as a large, competent terrorist organization with access to an impressive amount of cutting-edge technology, reminiscent of Cobra in G.I. Joe. And this is very nice to see. Unfortunately, this trend will not last as the series progresses, and also unfortunate is that this is the last time we see the Venom Troopers. Hmm. Oh, that stinks. One thing always has perplexed me, though. How can Thunderhawk be so maneuverable when it is so aerodynamically unsound? Oh, well. Still a five episode. I can see where he's coming with that. It is kind of a your unconventional jet, um, true. And to do all of the uh, the roles and the the maneuvers that he's been able to do is is pretty cool. Right. Um, I've never really thought too much more into it as far as the mechanics go. I'm not an engineer by any sorts, but um, it's 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 a valid point he makes there and. He's I, apparently has the benefit of uh, remembering a lot more than we have as far as what's coming up and that this is the last time we see those.
1: Or he's watched it a lot more
0: often than those, us. <laughs> yeah, those Venom minions, right? as I call them. Um, anyway, so that, that wraps up our comments. The next episode that we will review will be episode 24, which is called Counterclockwise Caper. Say that about 20 times. Then. Um, <laughs> The, the plot for this episode Venom conducts a heist of Las Vegas casinos and I'm looking forward to this one because I do remember this might be one that I, I took a lot out of as far as the script goes
1: mm.
0: um, and we've revealed a, 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 quite a bit about the
1: script you know, really where,
0: Yeah, where it takes place and, and everything so Vegas is the backdrop uh, for some of the scenes and Um, so I'm really looking forward to, uh, to watching this episode and just let me remind everybody, if you do listen to us on iTunes, we would appreciate you leaving us a rating. It only takes about a minute and it will help us get more exposure in the, uh, in the iTunes store, help us kind of bump up the list, so to speak. And, uh, and don't forget to connect with us on our social media sites like Facebook and Twitter and Google plus you can find us just about everywhere. So, uh, we really appreciate everybody tuning in and, and, uh, and joining us as we go on through these episodes. We're uh, we're coming up on a third of the way there, right? And can uh, we make it?
1: <laughs> I'm sure we can. <laughs> Not at the pace that we like, but that's uh, you know we gotta we got full time jobs we gotta take care of and families.
0: That's that's life, but uh, yeah, we're uh, it's fun going through these, and I'm I'm looking forward to getting up to episode fifty and seventy five one day.
1: Same here. Well, it's been an awesome, awesome time uh, going through another episode of Mask and reliving our childhood dreams of uh, just sitting in front of the tube on Saturday morning. So uh, on behalf of Jason, this is Wyatt, and we'll see you next time on Maskcast.
0: This will put an end
1: to it! <laughs>